Hello again and welcome to Sanctuary Praise Digital Ministries. I want to start off with episode one by just introducing to you the Pentecostal experience and what we're what we kind of stand for. Um, we're going to go back to the basics of, you know, what does apostolic mean? What does Pentecostal mean? Why we worship the way we do? Uh, the plan of salvation and the ways of the book of Acts and repentance, baptism, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, the whole kit and caboodle to un- to show you exactly what we're all about. My name is David Gleason, and I'm going to be your host. Welcome to the Digital Ministries. Once again, I'm David Gleason, and we're going to introduce you to the Pentecostal experience. We're going to start off by saying, you know, what does apostolic mean? You've heard this term possibly. You maybe you have not. The word apostolic means we, like the apostles. We believe in the teachings of these of the apostles, specifically the twelve disciples of Jesus and Paul. Although many other books in the Bible teach us Christians as Christians how to live, it is the book of Acts where we find the most historical account of when, where, and how the apostles obeyed Jesus' commands to preach to sinners. The book of Galatians 1, 8, and 9 says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. We find here that the necessity of carefully following the preaching of apostles. And so we, we, the only account we have mostly is the book of Acts. So from this, we, we look at deeper the teachings of these apostles. But Pentecostal churches get their name from and their roots from the day of Pentecost, as described in Acts chapter 2. From what I said before, we want to carefully look at the book of Acts as the following, the following of the, the apostles. I think the book even uh, says in most Bibles says the Acts of the Apostles. So in the book of Acts chapter 2, we we are introduced to Pentecostals or Pentecostal churches of some sort because this outpouring was found on the day of Pentecost. So moving on from that, we'll get back to those in depth a little more later. But if you've been to a Pentecostal church or an apostolic church and it's your first experience you're kind of baffled by the tradition of the way apostolics and Pentecostals worship. So we're going to kind of dive deep into why do we worship the way we do. We're going to start off with lifting my hands. If you've been to a Pentecostal church, you'll notice that lifting of hands is a common practice. It's very common even down to the children. In the book of Genesis chapter 14 and verse 22, it says, I have lifted up my hand to the Lord. Nehemiah 8 and 6 also says, And all the people answered, Amen, amen, with lifting up of their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Psalms 28 and 2 says, Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward the holy oracle. As you can see, it's actually biblical, the raising of hands. as It's, it's a form of surrender to the, the mighty creator. It is a form of surrender to our Jesus, to our Savior. And it's a common thing. It's biblical to do this. And so that's why you may find in an apostolic or Pentecostal church someone lifting their hands. 
So you can take it as, you know, this is biblical. This is the way that we were programmed to worship our Jesus. In this verse, the, the psalmist also talks about crying unto the Lord. You'll also notice that uh, a lot of people will have tears coming from their face. They'll be crying. And I was once asked by a lady, are you okay? Are you, are you okay? Is something wrong? And I explained to her, I said, have you ever had tears of joy? And when when you come into a Pentecostal church and an apostolic church and, and you feel that spirit of God for the first time, it brings tears to your eyes because of the joy that's there. I mean, if you've ever, ever had a, a child or anything great happen in your life, you can understand that sometimes you're overwhelmed with emotion, a wonderful emotion that tears start to form from your eyes. And the same effect is found in an apostolic Pentecostal church. These forms of worship are encouraged so much in church. Uh, the raising of hands, the, the, the crying, the tears of joy. But in fact, they're, they're biblical. Psalms 134 and 2 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. We find many more times throughout the Bible that crying and lifting the hands, they're forms of worship. They're forms of ways that we praise and worship our Jesus. And it, it, the emotion just takes over as you do it. This may be something new to you, but this, you know, it's biblical what's going on. An another question that is always asked is why do we kneel at the altar to pray? You know, uh, Genesis 24 and 52 says he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. In the book of Ezekiel 11 and 13 says, Then fell I down upon my face and cried with a loud voice and said, Ah, Lord, wilt thou make a full end of the remnant of Israel? Here we see that praying aloud is also a, a common thing. You'll find that praying aloud is very common in the apostolic Pentecostal church. You'll find it so common that, I mean, you'll hear everybody praying aloud in unity. And you think, man, this is a conglomerate of, you know, how does the Lord distinguish these things? Well, he is God. I mean, he is omnipresent, omniscient. He's all-knowing, all-present, all and he hears all the praises of his people. But it also shows the praying a face down to the ground uh, as a form of prayer and worship. That's one reason we kneel to the ground there's many other times that we find in the Bible that it's a common practice. Uh, the, the third thing I'm going to come to is leaping and dancing. Another thing you will find in a apostolic Pentecostal church. It says dancing, and, and dancing is only negative when God is not the object of the dance. The children of Israel were even showed in the book of Genesis that when they made in the book of Exodus, sorry, when they made the graven image or whatever, they danced around it. And Jesus was, God was, was angry because of it. In second Samuel chapter six and 14, it says, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. Psalm 150 and four says, praise him in the timbrel and the dance. Psalms 149.3 says, let them praise his name in the dance. It's even also found in, you may argue, it's found in just in the Old Testament. No, it's found in the New Testament as well. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, and he leaped up, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 10, we found it says, said with a loud voice, stand up right on thy feet, and he leaped and walked.
Have you ever been to a football game to where your team is winning? If you're not into football, have you ever been to a dance recital where your child is nailing every step? Have you ever been somewhere that you were so excited that without ever rhyme or reason or even thinking about it, you clapped your hands and you, you, you just burst for joy and you did a little happy dance? These are forms of worship that are biblical. They were designed for worshiping Jesus and for worshiping God. This is another form of worship that is found in the Bible and encouraged within the Pentecostal church. For example, clapping and and dancing for a favorite team win. Like I said, your child hitting those steps at a dance recital. It makes you excited. It overwhelms you in the emotion that you, you want to dance. You want to shout. These people you see in these Pentecostal churches, they've been through a lot. They have a past and stuff. So when they find deliverance through Jesus, their their emotion overwhelms them so much that dancing and leaping become a part of it. Clapping their hands for victory, raising their hands and showing worship and thankfulness to Jesus for delivering them. Just I mean, just like the drug addict who was delivered from heroin or cocaine, you know, to finally beat it, for it not to have a hold of you, excites you. And to understand that, you know, I'm so excited I beat it. You know, even cancer patients, when they're done with their chemo and they're considered in remission and stuff, they ring a bell. That bell signifies the happiness of, yes, I'm finished. Yes, I'm delivered. The same thing applies to when Jesus delivers us. I'm asked, I'm asked several times, you know, you know, I'm used to the quiet service. I, I can't do this Pentecostal thing because it's, it's just loud. But everything up to this point, everything done that we've talked about, dancing, clapping, raising of hands, it's all biblical. I mean, even, even the book of Psalms talks about it. In, in, in chapter 150 and verse 1, let me get my, chapter 150, we'll start at verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Real quick, I want you to, as where you're sitting at or where you're standing, if you're listening to this at your job, just real quick and, I mean, very common, just breathe in, in your nose, and then breathe out. Because of that, we are commanded because of our our breath. We're able to breathe. It says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. This may seem all new to you. This may seem different. It may seem taboo. But as you see in the Bible, it is actually biblical. Every one of these things are, are backed by the Bible. I encourage you, it, it, go back, read over these scriptures I've given you. I mean, don't take my word for it. Look it up yourself and you'll see that every one of these things are biblical. 
The Bible even teaches that heaven will be loud with the praises of angels and saints. In the book of Revelation chapter 5, in verse 11, it says, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Right here it shows that you know heaven will be full of people standing around the throne praising God, dancing before Jesus. I mean, lifting their hands, clapping their hands in so many ways. In the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says, After this I beheld in lo a great multitude which no man can number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. Real quick as we're here, it's not just for one ethnicity. It's not just for one group of people. It's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's for everybody of all nations, of all kindreds, people and tongues, uh, it, it, even different languages. This This applies to all of us. This is something for all of us. It said they stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and psalms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. So, I mean, we see that even the Revelator talks about heaven being loud, being you know full of praise. This is another reason why you'll find in most apostolic Pentecostal churches the you know, loudness, the, the praying aloud, the talking to God. Uh, how many times have you ever talked to your, your friends or whatever without saying a word to you? I mean, Jesus is the same way, you know. He wants to hear our praises. He wants to hear us talk. I mean, it, it's it's something new to you, I understand. But as you grow more in the Pentecostal experience, you'll understand that, you know, just like, you know, talking to your neighbor about this, you know, you talk in an audible voice. Jesus stands right there with us and is a part of our, our congregation. And therefore, you know, talking to him aloud is is what he desires. While others see this as madness, our worship is unified. Even the disciples on the day of Pentecost were thought to be drunkards. Acts chapter 2 and verse 13 says, Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Again, it, you know, people look at this and they scrutinize it because, you know, it's different. They look at it as, you know, these people are crazy. You know, you know, church is supposed to be silent. You're supposed to sit there in that pew and not move and just listen, be attentive. But the Bible doesn't doesn't talk about this. It talks about giving praise to God this way, to raising our hands, to shouting with the voice of triumph. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, if, if you've got something in your life and you want to gain victory of it, Jesus is the way to go. And when you gain that victory, when you're finally delivered from whatever may be having that hold upon you, you know, you, you want to shout. You want to rejoice. You want to do like David and dance before the Lord. It's, it's a common emotion to want to when you get excited to want to do it. I mean, 
our great our favorite song comes on the radio and real quickly oh yeah i'm ready yeah you start making those movements with your head you start singing along with the lyrics you start bobbing your head just a little bit these are these are the same things that were intended for praise to jesus now let me let me plug this in here a little bit if you're concerned about someone or something forcing you to worship in a particular manner don't 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 let that alarm you contrary to what you may have seen or heard on tv or wherever we as pentecostals or do not and i mean we do not we will never or never never will god force you or anyone to do anything no one falls out or is slain in the spirit against their will. You know, nobody is knocked out. Nobody is pushed over. Nobody is forced into something that they're not comfortable with. You'll find that in most of our Pentecostal churches that, you know, we're about as friendly as, as can be. Uh, I invited a lady to church not long ago. She came to our church and she fell in love with us because she says we feel like family. She says, you know, we we we're very warming, you know, heartwarming to her. You know, we we treat her as if she's, you know, one of us, one of the family. And in in truth of the matter is, she is. You you are everybody. You know, we're all a part of this. This is all meant for us. Again, I go back to the, you know, this is all intended for all nations, all tongues, all races. I mean, no matter who you are, if you're big, small. Fat, skinny, tall, you, you may find yourself not attractive. It doesn't matter because all this stuff was intended for all of us, not just one person or one group in particular. We got to also remember that God inhabits the praises of his people. And what I mean by that is in the book of Psalms, chapter 22, verse 3, says, but thou art holy, thou art holy, O thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. Not only will you find lively praise and stuff like this, but you'll find that Jesus moves amongst his praise. And you'll find that you feel something different than you've ever felt before. You know, it says right there that God inhabits the praises of Israel, Israel, Israel is his was his people. We are his people. He created us. He created us specifically like who we are. So when we praise and worship him by raising hands, shouting, and becoming unified with praise and worship, he starts to move in our spirit. In his spirit, he starts to move amongst us, and that's when prayers are answered. That's when he moves. And touches our lives and hearts. Another point you'll find in, in our getting back to our the style of Pentecostalism that we are and apostolic. Not only will you find lively praise, but you'll find you know lively preaching. You know, it's my pastor gets excited. He's passionate about what he preaches about. Could you imagine coming somewhere to where? They're speaking to you about a certain certain topic, but they're not passionate about it. They just sit there with a monotone voice and go on and on and on trying to tell you facts about facts about facts. 
me personally, I, I want somebody who cares about what they're speaking about, who is passionate about this. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 21, it says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know, most people find and, and call it foolishness. They, they call being passionate and the pastor or preacher, you know, getting a little louder, becoming passionate and excited about what he's preaching about. They call it foolishness. They look at it, they look down upon it actually. You know, oh, that man's crazy. You know, that ain't of God. Well, why can't it be? You know, I mean, the, the Bible talks about the foolishness of preaching. That it is, and, and he calls it foolishness. So, so therefore, you know, if it's biblical, maybe we need to follow it a little better. So when you come to a Pentecostal church, you'll find that that is a common thing. That is a common thing for the preacher to get up there and be passionate. To be passionate about reaching souls. To, to showing you and revealing to you through God's word, you know, what we need to do to get to heaven. I don't think you walked into a Pentecostal church or an apostolic church with the idea that I don't want to go to heaven. I mean, if you, if you polled a hundred people in, in a church building, you know, hey, how many of you guys don't want to go to heaven? I don't think anybody will raise their hand that they don't want to go to heaven. I mean, it's, it, you know, that's what we're here for. We're seeking, you know, that eternal life with Jesus. We're seeking that eternal, you know, being in heaven to see the pearly gates that the books talked about, to see the streets of gold, to be in paradise with Jesus. We seek these things. That is why we're here. So if if while we're here, the Bible says that, you know, that I need to appraise with, with raising of hands, I have that option. You know, that's that's the way I want to praise. You know, if I feel like in, in a church service that I, I want to shout out, I love you, Jesus. I can because it's biblical. So bringing the freedom of it all means the world to me. It, it did when I came into this. And you may not understand it at first, but as as you come to church more and more often and you see and experience this, you'll see that these are things that out of your nature you want to do. You know, when you adore something, you, you, you do everything you can to make it special. And when, when adoration is given to Jesus, you can't help but raise your hand and say, you know, I love you, Jesus. Or to, or to say, literally say it out loud, I love you, Jesus. These are things that are taboo to many, many services. I mean, we've been tagged as holy rollers, as the people that run the top of pews and stuff. Yes, in a way. No, in another way. Yes, in a way that it's biblical to raise our hands, to shout, to dance, to leap, to show our, our thankfulness and our praise and worship. But at the same time, to do something foolish, like dancing and running into stuff, tearing things up, that's not of God. So 
be careful sometimes when you look at this and, and understand that, you know, this stuff is biblical, but someone can lead you astray as, as it being something, as dancing, tearing things up or something. That's that's not a God. We can, we can use our, our common sense to understand that, you know, there there comes a point where, you know, our praise and worship can become overboard. And you may think it's overboard to shout and ask that, and that's that's for you. One of the good things about this this type of church is is you have that freedom that if you do want to shout hallelujah, you can. It's biblical. This has been part one of introducing to you the Pentecostal experience. I hope you've learned something from it. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I hope I didn't bore you with a lot of scripture. But I think the scripture is the basis we have to go by. And just like at the beginning of all this, it talks about, you know, if any man preach anything but this gospel, you know, any other gospel, let him be accursed. I mean, so we, we're going to go back to what apostolic really means. It means to teach like the apostles. So you're going to find in these other parts to this, as we introduce the Pentecostal experience to you, what... The, the apostles preached, what they taught. So now that we understand why we do things the way we do, why we worship the way we do, we're going to go into part two and understand the plan of salvation and what the Bible says about it. Once again, my name is David Gleason, and I thank you for your evening, and thank you for listening to Sanctuary Praise Digital Ministries.